Hello, and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Megan Liz Smith, and joining me, as always, is the quintessential Annika Merrilies. Oh, I thank you, Megan. (laughs) So first up today, we're going to tell you about some of the week's top entrepreneurship headlines. Then, an interview with Arlen Hamilton, the founder of Backstage Capital, a venture capital fund for underrepresented founders. Our editor, Michael Stacy spoke to her after a keynote address at the Vision Small Business Innovation Symposium in St. Louis. Next, I'll talk to a student entrepreneur who is making waves in the world of agriculture. Finally, we'll take a look at some important numbers in startup and entrepreneurship news. Should we get started? I think we should. So, without further ado, here's the week's startup headlines. First up, Stadia Ventures, the accelerator and investment fund focused on sports startups, celebrated its third acquisition this week. A ticketing technology startup called Upgraded that was in Stadia's 2017 cohort was acquired by Ticketmaster. What's next, Megan? Next up is another St. Louis story. Simple Rose Inc., a St. Louis-based startup focused on building the fastest supercomputer in the world, has raised $13 million, according to a filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission. And what do we have to finish it off? The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has granted its breakthrough device designation to a product from the St. Louis-based Media Beacon. Their transdermal GFR measurement system helps fight against kidney disease. Wow, say that five times fast. (laughs) Next up, we have an interview with Arlen Hamilton. Less than 10% of all venture capital deals go to founders who are women, people of color, or LGBTQ. Many people see that as a problem. Arlen Hamilton sees it as a business opportunity. Hamilton launched Backstage Capital to invest in founders that tend to be overlooked by traditional Silicon Valley investors. Some people call those founders underrepresented. Hamilton prefers to call them underestimated. She spoke at this year's Vision Conference in St. Louis. The event aims to build a diverse, inclusive innovation community. Afterward, Michael Stacy visited with her about the origins and direction of Backstage Capital. You recently eclipsed the milestone of 100 investments in startups. What's next for Backstage? So we are working right now to raise a $36 million fund that will invest $1 million at a time in black women-led companies. We also just launched an accelerator in four different cities, Los Angeles, Detroit, Philadelphia, and London. And we will uh, start that cohort in the spring of 2019. And then who knows what's next? One question for underestimated entrepreneurs from here in the Midwest. What's the best way to catch the attention of Backstage and and perhaps uh, connect with you all? Well, we have closed our applications for our accelerator, but definitely keep an eye on what we are announcing next when it comes to applications being open. That's the best way to get in touch with us now is to, to apply. Um, you can also go to backstagecapital.com and look at our team page. And anyone on our team can be reached by their first name at backstagecapital.com. So you can write in to a couple of us and ask questions about what should be in the pitch deck? What are you looking for? When are you investing again? Those types of questions. And at any given time, um, and we're always happy to talk to everyone. Since you started out with Backstage, how, if at all, have you noticed the investment climate of Silicon Valley change? I think it's changed a lot. At first, it got much, much worse. It almost seemed like it was being ignored for a long time. 
people were investing in the same people and didn't think they had a problem and then or that there was a problem and then they started to recognize there was a problem but it just kind of blew up because all this sexual harassment stuff came out and all these racism uh, accusations came out and it got really turned upside down much like the film industry and now I feel like we're sort of in a healing process now where people are being honest people are taking um, initiative initiative to to make change and I think that it's undeniable now. So I think that the next uh, couple of years look really promising. Ten years down the line, if, if Backstage has done what you hope it will do, what does success look like for you? I think that in ten years, if if there are um, an equal amount of black and brown and women founders as there are the population of the country who have thriving companies who are... Um, who are in turn having exits and in turn investing in other people, uh, that's a big success. If the biggest problem a black founder has is how do they get their first customer, how do they get their 10th customer, that's success. And not how do I get investors to, to even believe that they should take me seriously. How do I not get um, you know, pulled over and maybe lose my life? Um, those types of questions that they have to think about every day if those are a thing of the past, then we've succeeded. Thank you so much. A high school student in Kirksville, Missouri, decided to launch his own business. Now, as a freshman at Truman State, Ethan Gooch already runs a business that's over two years old. We talked about entrepreneurship as a tool for conservation and what it takes to juggle a new business with high school and now college. So what is it that you do? Could you describe your business? I am from Northeast Missouri, and I harvest native prairie plants. Then I take those seeds and sell them to larger companies, and then they in turn sell those mixes to people that are interested in prairie restoration. So what is the value of planting prairie here in Missouri? Some people like the aesthetic value of just how pretty it is. Other people enjoy the more conservation side of the prairie. It's beneficial for animals and turning the land to how it was originally. So how were you able to get started? Did you have investors or did you get a grant um, or was that not necessary? It was fairly easy to start. Of course, there are a lot of mechanized ways that you can do this, but I just didn't have the money. So I didn't really have investors. Starting out, I just harvested all the things by hand. In fact, a lot of the times harvesting by hand is as efficient, if not more efficient, than harvesting by machine. Time is the biggest thing. So anything that um, would save me time, I have bought. So what are your larger motivations as an entrepreneur? I really enjoy the conservation idea of the whole venture. You feel good when you do something that you think is helping another person or helping the land. I like the newness of everything. There's not a given practice for doing it. So I'm able to try out new things. I'm able to maybe experiment with something that hasn't ever been experimented with before just because there aren't a ton of people doing this. And I would be lying if I said that I didn't just like the business aspect of it. I like dealing with people, and I like kind of the negotiation of selling the seed, renting the ground. I just like the whole business idea of starting it myself and kind of being the boss of this seed business, even if it is very small. I, I just like that. 
So when you talk about there being room for experimentation and there not being one set way of doing this, what do you mean by that? And, and what are some of the ways you've experimented in your business? Drying the seed is a big deal. So I've tried different practices, tried uh, different harvesting methods. I just bought a combine, which is conventionally used for harvesting corn and soybeans. And now I'm using it to harvest you know, native plants. That definitely gets some of the farmers riled up around here seeing some of their equipment be used in an alternative way. That's really cool to me to use something that has 99% of people use it one way, but you're using it a different way. That's really exciting to me. So what are some of your goals for the future? I mean, where are you at right now? And in the next few years, where do you want to be building to? Yeah, so this is something I've thought about a lot. And my dad has really helped me with setting goals. My dad and I want me to know by the end of college if this is something that I could do full-time. Would you mind telling me a bit about how it's been so far financially? Yeah, so I'm not afraid to share the numbers. The first year I made a couple thousand dollars, and then last year I made around $6,000. This year I don't really have a goal, but you know, somewhere in the $10,000 range would be, I think, great, especially for a college student. That would be great. And I don't know if it'll happen with the drought and I'm just going to right. school. It's been good. Uh, it does take a lot of time, but I'm not working an hourly job all the time like some other college students, so I really enjoy that. So do you have any numbers uh, of how much you produce in terms of volume? It's interesting because you're really not selling that much volume. There isn't a seed I sell that is worth less than $100 a pound. You know, if I make $6,000, you know, I, I might only sell them 60 pounds of seed. You know, I can fit it all, all the plants I harvest, I could fit drying it out inside of a decent-sized barn. I know that's not really quantifiable, but it's not that large of a quantity. Because of its rarity, the value is just so much higher. So why is this so rare? Why aren't there more people doing this? It's very time-consuming and labor-intensive, and there aren't drawn-out directions on how to do every step, which I think a lot of people don't like. So I also wanted to ask you more about what it was like being a high schooler starting your own business. I mean, what were people's reactions and, and what was it like for you? Yeah, it was definitely interesting. I mean, you kind of found out who your friends were because there were people that were really in, in favor of it. And there were people that were really willing to help, which um, I was really thankful for. I probably worked a little too much for my age. I'm not afraid to say that you know, hey, come do this, come do that, and, oh, no, man, I've, you know, I've got to go harvest. I just think the biggest thing people don't realize is that I really enjoy doing that. You know, I'd rather go out and work. I'd rather make money. I'd rather feel good about what I'm doing than maybe hang out with my friends or do other things that people my age were doing. I thought, this is great. I love doing this, and there are a lot of people that were in support of it. So I guess that's all the questions I'd planned to ask, but is there anything that I should have asked that I didn't, anything that we didn't cover? No, um, I would just say, you know, I would encourage people to get involved with this because, you know, I'm not worried about competition or, you know, I, I care about the prairie and I care about conservation more than I care about, you know, making money. So if, if people are interested in this or people think this is something they want to do, ask questions and go do it. It's definitely fun. And, you know, you can do it on whatever scale and put however much time you want into it. So, you know, this is something that everybody can do and everyone can enjoy. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.
And now it's time to look at some important numbers in this week's startup news. It's Can I Get Your Digits? So, Annika, can I get your digits? Of course, Megan. My number for this week is 64. That's the number of startups that will be pitching at Startup Connections Venture Showcase in St. Louis on November 7th. This is Startup Connections 10th year, and after this year's event, it will have seen more than $1 million in prize money given out to local startups. There are more than 350 people employed by the 64 startups chosen for this year's event, more than half of the startups launched in the last 20 months, and a quarter of them launched just this year. So Megan, can I get your digits? Of course. My number is 2 million. 2 million cars. That's the size of the global fleet for Enterprise Holdings, a rental car company founded by the late Jack Taylor, a famed St. Louis entrepreneur. 2 million cars is a company record for Enterprise. So the St. Louis startup is continuing to reach new heights. To end it off, I have an entrepreneurship quote from Rebecca Dove. She founded the company Panez to combat childhood illiteracy with the help of technology. In a Startland profile this week, Rebecca discussed why she stays in Kansas City. This is what she said. The opportunities for growth and the possibility that I see here, that's why I stay. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Annika Marilies and me, Megan Liz Smith. Our theme music was produced by Poddington Bear. This episode was recorded in the KBIA studios. We'll speak to you next week.